Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is Perak Chavtet of Sefer Mishlei, chapter 29 of the book of Proverbs. We are in the home stretch, the final three chapters of the Sefer, and we are on our last time through the commentators who we have been cycling through. We've already had our last Rabbiniona, we just didn't note it at the time, because we didn't realize it. Uh, today will be the last time we come across Rashi in the course of our commentary, in the course of our study. And since Rashi in this chapter is actually relatively light as compared to previous chapters, we'll also mix in some Malbim who we have seen much less often than the others, but we'll get some sense of both of them in our final little forays into this parak. So Pasuk Aleph starts with Ishtochachot Maksha Oref, Peta Yishaver Vein Marpe. The JPS has it as one oft reproved may become stiff necked. So Ishtochot Maksha Oref. Somebody who gets a lot of Tochot may become but he will be suddenly broken beyond repair. So the JPS is assuming that it's the Tochachot that create the Kashit Oref, whereas the Malbim, so we'll get to Rashi and Pasuk but the Malbim says there are uh, two ways in which people might come to do tshuva, come to repent of their ways and understand they need to change. One is by Tochacha and one is by Yisurim. Tochacha would be intellectual argument. So one possibility is that somebody says something, you're doing the wrong thing, they show them why they demonstrate them and they will then respond, and they'll listen to it. But an ish tochachot will not, because tochachot for the Malvin means somebody who will argue back with you. Midvakeh, esoteria, will disprove, will say, no, I'm not evil the way you're saying you're evil, and it's not wrong, and they'll have an argument of that. So for that person, yisurim will help the person, because then, even if they claim that they will argue otherwise, they come to see and feel in an almost Pavlovian way, that acting in his ways brings around punishment, and the fear of punishment will lead them in the way. But if such a person, if there's a person who doesn't accept intellectual remonstrations or just logical presentations of what they're doing wrong, and the Yisurim don't cause them to do tshuva, we have such people who even after Yisurim will say, oh, it's not God doing it, there's no need to change, there's no need for me to think about how to adjust my ways. So that person, so in other words, for the Malbim, it's not that the the Tochachat, brings Kashir Orev. It's just there are some people who are not only Ishtachachot, but they're also Makshay Orev. Those people, Pete Yishaver. Uh, they will be broken suddenly, and then, not only that, Ein Marpeh, the Mavim says, means, and they won't really get anything out of it, because they have so hardened themselves to the possibility of accepting instruction in, either, in any of these ways, that it won't help them. But, a person who's not Makshay Orev, they don't stay stiff-necked, so for them... Yisurin can be rifuat nefesh. It can be a healing for the soul. It can teach the soul the right way to go, the right way to act, the right way to behave. And he points out, just like many medicines for the body are bitter, so too, much of what will heal the soul might be bitter as well. So, perspective on Yisurim, I've hinted at it before, but it's one that is so widely unaccepted today, but is fairly certain, fairly clear, fairly true in Jewish writings by many, many people that Yisurim can, when they are aimed at helping us improve, can be a healing of the soul. It's not pleasant to go through them. We don't wish them on ourselves. But nonetheless, there can be positive things that come out of them. There can be a positive growth from them if we are open to recognizing the need for that. When the righteous become great, the people rejoice. The Birvot, the JPS is understanding as becoming great, they become powerful. But when the wicked dominate, the people groan. So the reason why JPS would have rear vote is being when they become dominant is because it's the opposite to Ovim Shol HaRasha. But the Malbim, and we'll come to Rashi in the next passage, but the Malbim here points out 
that it refers to the reason why it happens this way is because the king will run a city by righteousness and justice in the proper ways and they'll get a bracha from Hashem and the Rishim will be the reverse. They won't run the city properly, they won't run the community properly and therefore they will also earn meira from Hashem, they'll learn curses from Hashem, they'll learn punishment from Hashem. But then he points out that it talks about beer vote because to the king don't try to rule only on their own, they recognize the need for consultation and for what we might today call bipartisanship, and they they try to rule with groups of people coming together. There may be one person who's at the top, but the, the, their goal will be to rule in a collaborative kind of a way, as opposed to Uvim Shol Rasha, but a Rasha will be, there'll be one of them, and they will try to have full power at the top, concentrated in themselves, because that's the only way they can imagine, they can see, to rule and to get what they want, which is a negative thing. Anyway, Pasuk Gimel. Ish ohev chokhma yisamach av, v'ro ezonot yabed hon. Ish ohev chokhma, somebody who loves wisdom, will make his father happy. V'ro ezonot yabed hon. And somebody who patronizes, keeps company, is what the JPS has, keeps company with harlots, will lose his wealth. So notice the contrast, they seem to be conscious to each other. You're either an ohev chokhma or a ro ezonot, or ro ezonot is almost seen as the diametric opposite of being an ohev chokhma. Uh, Rashi has it, that, and here we are at Rashi, so in the Malbim so far we've seen the importance of, or the issue of Yisurim and the value of not arguing intellectually against remonstration because remonstration might be right. We've also seen the question of Tzadikim and how they would run a city, how they would run a community collaboratively and jointly and pro- properly, as both Rishayim will try to run it on their own. Turning to Rashi for a moment, on Zonot he says, Mechaber lo Zonot. It's not only so the JPS editors keep company with Zonot, and that's sort of something what Rashi's saying, but he's saying, I think, that he dra- develops a connection with Zonot. So it's not so much about the patronage of them or the acts that you might commit with them, it's that they become that social circle. So Rabbeinu Amru, he quotes a Gemara, the Chazal who say, Ha'omer shemu'azo na'a eshnena, v'zo ina na'a lo eshnena. If somebody says, I like this piece of Torah, I'll learn it. I don't like this piece of Torah, I won't learn it. So that'll be like a ro'ezonot, that ish chacham is somebody, ohiv chachma is somebody who will take all wisdom and try for all wisdom, whereas a ro'ezonot is somebody who just finds the people that he likes, he keeps company with them. So the zonot isn't so much their profession, it's that they are only certain pieces of Torah and not others. And that kind of an attitude is problematic. And that explains better, at least it seems to explain better, why that would be the opposite of wisdom. Because the wisdom is to know that all of Torah has value in it. There may be parts that we enjoy learning more and parts we enjoy learning less, so we'll have to work harder at the parts we enjoy learning less. It'll be more of a chore, it'll be more difficult, but we have to try to do all of it. We have to recognize that all of Torah needs to be studied. You can't just pick, you know, Nashim and Nizik, and you can't just pick uh, learning about Kashos and Shabbos and Davening and say those are the only things that are important to learn. So that would be a Ro'ezo note. Pasuk Dalet, Melech B'mishpat Yamid Aretz, V'ish Terumot Yehersena. Yehersena. That a king, a uh, King with justice will sustain the land, but a fraudulent man tears it down. So Yamid Eretz Rashi says, "Im shofet emetu." If he's a true judge, he's judging for right justice. Whereas in each trumot, so what's in each trumot? So trumot sort of means to lift, like laharim. So Rashi's first possibility is ish geut, sheino chashliot matun badin, a person of arrogance who doesn't feel any need to think carefully about a case. Meaning, it comes before him, he has that instantaneous feeling, "Oh, this is the right thing to do." So that will destroy the land because you won't always come to the right conclusion that 
That would be an, an example in Rashi and others we've seen many times. So one of the things that our study, I hope, has shown is that many of the themes are cross-pollinating among all of the commentators, that everybody agrees to certain pieces of wisdom that are found in Mishle. This would be one of them, the idea that if you trust your instincts too much and are just too ready to be sure that you're right, especially just at first glance, that's going to be a problem and a sign of a lack of wisdom and is going to lead to... Uh, destruction to things going wrong. Then he quotes from Atina Ruim at Dayan Domela Kohena Sho El Trimota Hagiranot Hu Yeher Sane. He says that it's not only a question of whether you try to judge properly, but each Trimot would mean that you're seeking contributions. So I'm keeping this soon after the Blagojevich whole issue where he was seeking campaign contributions to sell, uh, then Senator Obama's Senate seat. So each Trumot would be that kind of a judge. If the judges in each Trumot, so why is it called each Trumot? Like the Kohanim, who used to have to go around and find Truma. Meaning Truma is something that you tithe from your harvest, but you can give it to whichever coin you want. So Kohanim would go and try to find people and say, oh, do you have any Truma? Would you like to give it to me? And they'd have to curry favor to some extent. There's a problematic aspect to that. And Chazawa were concerned with that. Have to, and that's why Chazal said, for example, that a Kohen cannot help with the harvest because, a Kohen who does help with the harvest can't take Truma from that harvest because it looks too wrong. It looks like he's bought the Truma with his labor. So that's a deep issue within Chazal and within the Trumot. So that would be true here that a person who judges based on getting Trumot, getting contributions and seeking contributions, that'll be a problem. Pasuk hey. Gever machalik al-re'ehu reshet pores al pe'amav. Somebody who uh, flatters his fellow spreads a net for his feet. So the Malbim says, it's going to be back and forth in this pair because Rashi just skips many sukim and I just thought I'd throw in the Malbim's where he did. The Malbim says, Gever Machalik, um, Gever, um, Gever Machalik, he says, Al is me'inyan avel. That if you are too flattering and you say to somebody that's not an avla, that what he's doing is not wrong, so what happens is he's going to encourage the person to do more avla until the time when he gets embarrassed by it. So that the flattery is itself actually endangering the person you're flattering. It's not only that you're speaking untruly, but you're actually hurting the person that you're flattering. And it would be like that, so machalik is is when you smooth or make something slippery. So he's talking about smooth speech, but here the album says it's also like he's smoothing the way for an animal to get caught in a net, meaning he's making the road slippery. Here too, this man will have a slippery road because he'll think he's doing the right thing or something good, continue doing it, and then eventually get caught by the police or caught in an embarrassing position or caught whatever it may be. When an evil person commits crimes, Mokesh, right, says, Yavo Mokesh, there'll be a trap there, whereas a tzaddik who won't go in that way, he'll be able to be happy because he will have avoided that danger, that downfall. So, in our times, we see that that's not always true. Sometimes, even when the tzaddik has, or tzaddik in this case, in the case of the example that I'm thinking of, isn't necessarily more righteous, but just, let's say, somebody who has operated properly financially, didn't get involved in all of the chicanery that occurred in other circles sometimes suffers anyway. So it's not always true that we can, that the tzaddikim are going to be able to be immune and separated from and walled off of the destruction that will come to those who did the wrong thing. Pasuk Zayin, Yodea tzaddik din dalim, that the righteous person is concerned with the cause of the wretched is what the JPS has it, whereas a wicked man cannot understand such concern. The, the Rashi has it exactly that way. Din Dalim, not only Din as in the justice that they should get at human hands, but also, Rashi says, Yisure Dalim, the suffering that they're going through and what they need, and he will give his attention to try to help them out. So one of the markers of 
of a tzaddik, Rashi is saying, and I think this is true, and I think it's an important one to always keep in mind, is that a mark of the tzaddik is that he really is concerned for the poor and finding meaningful and and actual ways to help the poor. So if, for example, one would have a public policy debate in which one side said, well, we shouldn't help the poor that way, and the other side said, we should help the poor that way, that does not yet show who's more or less concerned with the poor, because the person who says we shouldn't do it might have a different idea. But if one side of a debate is always saying, well, we're not going to help the poor this way, we're not going to help the poor this way, we're not going to help the poor this way, but they never come up with an actual productive and useful way of helping the poor, so then I think one would have to wonder and be concerned that that is a lack in their sense of righteousness and their sense of concern for the poor, not, and, it, and, the, and the other things are excuses for why not to help the poor, because it is an important human quality to recognize that when there are people less fortunate than ourselves, we need to try to help them and find ways to help them. That doesn't mean that every single way to help them is the right way to go. Some of them are wrong and silly and stupid and should be avoided and are waste of money and are taxing people inappropriately and all those kinds of things. But if... In some total, it leaves you without concern for the poor. I think that Rashi would be implying that that is one of the markers of not being a tzaddik and being, unfortunately, a rasha. Scoffers inflame a city, but the wise allay anger. So yafichu, Rashi just says, it means that it's like fanning the flame. So just like the JPS said it, that's all that Rashi has. Then that means that that people who who means they mock everything and they're cynics and they just make fun of everything so they cause everybody to be upset with everybody else because everybody sees the flaws in everybody else we all have flaws whereas Chachamim recognize that it's important to try to lower the tone of a debate and find ways for people to work together rather than having the fun of mocking each other since we're all easily mockable if we put our minds to it so the literal meaning is, Rashi would agree with the JPS, when a wise man enters into litigation with a fool, there is ranting and ridicule, but no satisfaction. So, Rashi says, There's nothing to do. When you get into a contest with an avil or a dispute with an avil, you're not going to get out of it with any satisfaction. Whether or not you try to be nice, or whether or not, or you try to be angry. Either way that you try to do something with the avil, it's not going to work, because the avil is an avil, and they're always going to turn it into a negative into the wrong kind of a thing. And so then he gives examples from Sefer Melachim, where you have Amatzi, who was one king of Yehuda, and Hashem gave him good, and gave him victory over Edom. And when he comes back, the Pesach Yerayim tells us, when he comes back from conquering Edom, he brings their gods with him, their idols, I shouldn't say gods, it's a bad word, their idols, their statues with him, and he bows down to them. In other words, the victory didn't help him. The victory exposed him to some new form of idol worship, and he thought, oh, that looks really interesting, let me do that. So sometimes success can lead us to do the wrong thing. So imagine if somebody is poor and Hashem gives them wealth, I'm doing this on my own, but imagine somebody's poor and Hashem gives them wealth. So is the wealth going to keep and fortify them in the path they did when they were poor? Let's say when they were poor, they went to shul regularly and they gave some tzedakah as much as they could regularly and they learned Torah as much as they could, etc. When they get wealthier, will that fortify them doing in that or will they then adopt, adopt attitudes and modes of behavior like other rich people and lose sight of what they were? So one problem can be when you have panim, uh, you have happy face, we have Hashem treating you well. But then, uh, the other possibility is achaz. So achaz Hashem shows him panim zo'afot. Hashem punishes him. And he lets achaz lose to the kings of Aram, lose in war. 
So what does he do? You might think he returned to Hashem because now he's getting in trouble. Instead, so instead he drew the conclusion, oh, see, the kings of Ar- the gods, the idols of Aram are helping their kings. It must be that's why I'm losing. I should worship them. So the point being that the question of whether we serve Hashem or not, the question of whether we turn to Hashem or not, the question of whether we're Evelim or not, is not really dependent on whether we're getting good or bad in life. People will say that. People will say, Oh, if God only showed me a miracle. Oh, if God gave me a better life. Oh, if God wasn't so mean to me. Or oh, the other way around. If people are wealthy and rich, they think, what did I need God for? I have it all. I have this all. So the point is that it's the underlying evilut. It's the underlying attitude that's really the issue. And if they're in evil, you're not going to get them to serve God the right way no matter what you do. And if they're not in evil, they'll serve God the right way no matter what Hashem does. The bloodthirsty men detest the blameless, but the upright seek them out. So, Yivakshu Nafsho, Rashi says, means, Lashon Chiba, Kemoshemar David Leviatar, David Leviatar, Hashivakesha, Nashivakesha, and Nafshecha. And then, so, that's a simple thing, that, that's what it means, that Anshay Damim hates the Tam, and the Sharim have a good feeling from Yivakshu Nafsho, the JPS says, it seek them out, Rashi just means, it's just a phrase for, have love of them, and then Rashi, just interestingly to me, notes at the end, meaning he knew of other Bible interpreters in his time, and he says, and they don't agree with me that this is the definite the explanation of it. So I find that interesting, the whole idea of Rashi needing to compete with other biblical interpreters of his time and to be worried that, oh, they don't agree with me, they don't accept my perspective. Aksil says everything that comes into his into his mind. The dullard vents all his rage, but a wise man calms it down. So Rashi doesn't think it's only in terms of rage. He says, But the Chacham will eventually be able to come and calm him down or lower him and, uh, and, and sort of get above him by virtue of having waited to say everything that he wants. Meaning that the Kassil plays his cards too soon, I guess we would say, or lets out too much of what he understands, and the Chacham just waits and understands and sees, and therefore will have a leg up on the seal. A ruler listens to lies, all his ministers will be wicked, because they... because uh, they know that that's what he wants to hear, so they'll do what he wants to hear, and the Bible applies that as well to the lave to our hearts, which uh, which is supposed to rule over us. That's a theme for the Malbim that we should pay, remember and pay attention to. That he thinks there are these ways of wisdom that underlie everything, and that it's following those ways of wisdom as fundamental principles. That's the most important piece of wisdom. It's not what you actually achieve it, but if you're operating with those principles guiding your life, then you're going to be in a good position. So that would be uh, a good Moshel. But and then all of the things of your soul will follow that, and therefore your thoughts will follow that, your aspirations will follow that, your desires will follow that. But im halev makshiv al But if it listens to falsehoods and wrong matters, so then you'll have all the negative things in your heart will come to the fore, and you'll have to, and you'll have ta'ava, uh, you'll have lust and appetites and hatreds and uh, and bad spirits, uh, bad moods and bad attitudes, and a lack of generosity towards others, and all those negative things. And they all depend, he's saying, and this fits in with this whole idea of Chokei Chokmah to begin with, they all depend upon what the internal central Moshele is doing. So that's an important theme for the Malbim, the whole idea of central principles, central values, central ruling issues really affecting everything that goes on 
in, and, and intellectual endeavors as well. The question of whether we follow good intellectual rules, and if we do, then everything will be fine, and if we don't, then it will all stem from that original central set of principles and ideals and values and methods that we adopt. So Rash V'ish Tuchachim is a poor man, a fraudulent man. That's what the JPS has it. Uh, Rashi doesn't have it that way. Rashi has it as Ish Mizimot Baal Torah. So the JPS, it's sort of, you have a poor man and a fraudulent man, they'll meet and Hashem will give lust to them both. You don't know why Hashem will give lust to them both. But here, I think what Rashi is saying is that Hashem will eventually redeem them both. You have a Rashi, a poor person, and an Ish Tuchachim has an Ish Mizimot Baal Torah. So Hashem will shine His light upon them, at least Eventually, if a king judges the poor properly, so his throne will last a long time. Mom says, "What do we mean by melach shofet be'emet?" He says, "Sometimes it's a din meruma. A din meruma is a case that, on its face, seems to go one way, but you know, you have the instinct that it's actually not true." that just the litigant, whichever litigant is lying, has found a way to construct the lie very, very well. So this case seems to go one way, and then you have to investigate carefully to find the truth. And if you do, the Malbim says, the reason why his throne will last forever is because emet is an eternal thing. Truth is an eternal thing. So if you link yourself, this I think is very, very much in line with what I just said a second ago in the Malbim's themes, if you link yourself with truth, then just like truth is everlasting, that king's throne will become everlasting. Pasuk Tervav in Rashi, it's a stick and, admi- and admonishments that give wisdom, whereas a boy, a child, who is mishulach, who's just sent on his own way, will embarrass his mother. So Rash says exactly that, that, it, that if you don't dip- discipline children, they eventually become an embarrassment. And you think that not disciplining is nicer, but it's not the way it works. And Rashi gives the example of Yishmael not having been properly disciplined. Um... And since he was a Rasha, he caused his mother problems because when Sarah gets upset with his behavior, she encourages Avraham, she requires Avraham to get rid of not only of Ishmael, but of Hagar as well. So that's what Mevishimo is, according to Rashi, that the, that the evilness of the son feeds back onto the mother. When the wicked increase, the fences increase, but the righteous will see their downfall. The Mabim says, on see their downfall, Puzzle says, Birvot Rishayim doesn't only mean when there are many of them. It might mean, and we've seen this in the Malvin before, it might mean when they have power. Birvot Rishayim is when they have power, whether it's in number or in power, then there'll be more and more Pesha, but there's a boundary to that, there's a limit to that. And if they go over the limit, then they will be destroyed. And the Tzadikim, when they're already hitting the limit, they'll understand that Be'en Sichlam, they'll see it coming, and always they'll be able to predict it, they'll see the downfall coming, and not only will they see the downfall coming, but they'll live to see it afterwards as well. So for the Malvim, the Tzadikim understand the downfall of the Rishaim two ways, both beforehand, because they see it intellectually, they see it, they're able to foretell it, because they just can understand that this way of living, of acting, cannot succeed, and then they'll also experience it and watch it happen, and see the downfall of the Rishaim. Yaser bin Yaser bin Discipline your child, and then he will leave you alone, and he will give ma'adanim l'avshecha. He'll become a joy to you. So the Malbim says, similar to what we said just a few seconds ago, don't think 
that by not disciplining the child will love you more. It's actually the child who you don't discipline will eventually hate you and you'll get no peace from him and he certainly won't support you when you're old and have no way to support yourself. But if you discipline him and treat him the, teach him the right way, so then he'll give Madin on a because by this way, Yelech, that phrase in the Malbim again, in the roads of wisdom, and then after that, he will love you more and he'll give you more respect and honor. So the Malbim is saying that we have to sit children up in the right way, in the right, and that takes discipline, that takes sometimes battling with them, sometimes not being as pleasant to them as we might like to be, but in doing so, not only do we help them out, but they eventually will realize it and they will respect us all the more for us and appreciate us all the more for training them in the right way to behave and to act because they need to acquire this theme of the mom. They need to acquire the chukeha chokma, the fundamentals and the foundations of wisdom and it's those foundations that will lead to their success in many, many areas. When there is no vision, for lack of vision, people lose restraint. But happy is he who heeds instruction. That's what J.P. has. Who heeds, again, they don't want to say Torah in the literal sense. They say Torah as instruction. So what does that mean? In Chazon Yipara'am, Rashi says, when the people cause Nivu'ah to leave. How does that happen? It's an interesting assumption of Rashi's that the people's responses to Nivu'im can cause Hashem to stop their being. Nevi'im, uh, and then they will go. They will be portsim. They will spread out, burst out. They will break all, or not all, many rules and boundaries, and they will go and become evil. And then the Shemer Torah, Asherah, but it's good for Shemer Torah. So just the idea in Rashi, as opposed to what others claim to have been the position of the Rambam, it's not always so true, clear. And the Rambam, the Rambam seems to have thought that Nevi'im Nevu'ah is almost an individual experience. That if a person earns Nevu'ah, unless Hashem stops him in some way from getting it, he sort of will get it just by virtue of the current person he is. Whereas Rashi seems to be saying that the whole idea of Chazon is when the people need it or deserve it, and therefore, if they are Malivim by Nevi'im, if they insult Nevi'im, they might lose the ability to have Nevi'im in their midst, even if there are such people. And that will then lead to them going the wrong way because they won't have the guiding hand. So this is Rashi, similar to the Malvim, similar to others. The whole idea that most people, the vast majority of people, need a guiding hand, even as adults. We, I think, we in the Western world sort of feel like once people reach some age, 19, 21, 30, whatever the age would be, we're ready to go at it on our own. But Rashi certainly doesn't assume it that way. He thinks that we need chazon, we need to turn to tzedekiah, we need to learn from those greater than us to learn the right way to behave and to act. Pasuk a slave cannot be disciplined by words, though he may comprehend, he does not respond. Rashi understands this to mean that with slaves, when he sees that he's being admonished by his, or rebuked by his master, he just stays quiet. He doesn't fight back, but he also doesn't get changed by it. He'll go back and do the same thing over again. What you need to do is, this is what Rashi says, with hitting him or punishing him. And, uh, it's not only talking about a slave, Rashi says, it's talking about all those who rebel against what the judges try to do. So Rashi is saying that a lot of times we think that just speaking with somebody is good enough to produce change, but there are many kinds of people, and ever would be one kind, people who try to ignore what a court says could be another kind, who will seem to change or seem to accept the discipline of the court or the discipline of the parent or the discipline of the master, but they won't actually do so. And in those cases, Rashi believes, in those cases, punishment will be necessary, either physical punishment of hitting or some kind of other punishment that will get the message across and actually change the behavior. An important distinction, I think. There's one thing to say that I taught him the lesson. There's another thing to say that he learned the lesson. There are many cases where just speaking will not help the person learn the lesson. You might feel like you've taught the lesson, 
but they won't have actually learned it. If you find a person who's a man hasty in speech, there's more hope for a fool than him. So what's wrong with being hasty in speech? I'm trying to talk faster and faster as my time runs out today, which I certainly should not be doing, so I will try to consciously now slow myself down. So the Malbim says theme we've seen from the Malbim today, at least the Malbim is more clear in his themes, and Ish at Bidvarav, Aksil, he says, and we've seen this before in the Malbim and others, Aksil is somebody who knows what the right thing is, and the Malbim says it as knows what the Chukkeha Chokhma are, knows what the ways of wisdom are, just his lust, his appetite to take him in different directions. So that person, once the appetites go away, or at least once you get some perspective on them, can change and can come back and be good and and do well, but an Ish Atbid Varav who's just full of words and, and hasty with words and speaks quickly and knows what he wants to say and isn't willing to accept others' perspectives, so there's no way he's ever going to come around to the truth because he doesn't recognize that the Chukeha Chokma, that the principles of wisdom are different than what he says. And that's an idea I can't stress enough. And it's almost the kind of thing you can't give out real Chukeha Chokma because people who don't believe in them will say, oh, I don't believe in that. That's not true. So that's always a, a problem. You meet many, I've met many, many people. You'll say certain things, they'll say, oh, that's not true, even though it clearly obviously true from a Torah perspective, perspective that this must be true. So that whole challenge, that's what the Malbim sees going on in this in this Pasuk. The difference between Aksil is somebody who knows but they just like what they're doing. So they one day, maybe when they run out of food to eat, places to see, vacations to take, etc., they may come back to thinking about And so there's some hope. But a person who denies and uses their powers of debating to argue against them, there's no hope for such people until such time as they lose that quality in themselves and come to recognize that they don't know everything. So the JPS has it as a slave pampered from youth will come to a bad end, although they note that the meaning of that last phrase is not clear. Rashi thinks that his Yetzirah, if he just lets his Yetzirah go, so it will come, Manom Rashi is a shalit, there's a ruler, and it comes from the word nin, like a grandchild, because a nin or a descendant is the one who comes to control the father's possessions. So that's the way I understand Rashi understands the word Manon, and it will come to control him. So for Rashi, it's a pasuk about if you, if something that should have been a slave, in this case he's saying it's the Yetzirah, your internal Yetzirah, should have been a slave, should have been uh, held in check, by the rest of you and ruled over by the rest of you. So you use your Yetzirah positively when it's time to indulge your appetites. But it should generally be held in check. If you don't hold it in check, so that will eventually come to rule you. That's the way Rashi has it. Pasuk Chabet. I'm going to read Chabet Chabgimon Chabdala. There are Malbims here, but I want to, I don't want to take the time uh, to get into the Malbim so much. We've seen a lot of the Malbim today. I want to get back to Rashi and Chafet and Chavav. So Chabet, Chabgimon and Chabdala. And I will just, we'll just go through with the JPS English. A person of anger will cause fights. And a man commits many offenses. I just can't, this Malbim I have to mention. He says that an Ish'af is somebody who has external anger. But a Baal is somebody who is really angry inside. So you have sometimes a person who is an Ish'af, he's got external anger, but there's nothing really going on inside of him that makes him so angry. He's just doing it because he wants to get something out of the other person. So he's going to cause fights because he wants to get something out of other people. Whereas a Baal is real anger. We're just going to do lots of bad things. But that's at least stemming from inside of him. And it's not uh, put on it, what he really is feeling. And, but that will lead him to, create, to do many wrong things. Puzzle of Gimel, A man's pride will eventually humiliate him. 
but a humble man will obtain honor. So that uh, it's another example where you might think the reverse of what you're, the, where the reverse of what you're trying to accomplish is what you'll actually get, and therefore it's worth your while to do it the right way to begin with. Somebody who divides up, splits the lo- the loot with a ganav is really destroying his soul, hates his soul, because because he will hear people uh, announcing a curse on all those who know what happened to this ganav or know what happened to this money. So if this person is, let's say, he'll pawn the money or he'll launder He'll launder the money for. He'll launder the money for this ganav, so he's going to divide things up with him. So he'll hear this curse and he won't respond to it, and then the curse will go on him because the point of the curse was that anybody who knows information and doesn't give it should be cursed by Hashem, and he'll get this curse. That's why the problem understands it. So there is danger in splitting up with a ganav, even though you're not the ganav yourself, because you're really going to cause yourself. Damage. Now let's return to the last two psukim of Rashi we're going to see on this time through for Mishle that we're going to study together. A man's fear becomes a trap for him, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be safeguarded. So Herdat Adam, Rashi says, the Pasuk is in reverse order. It's not that your fear will be a stumbling block for you, it's that the fact that you've stumbled will give you fear. Or another possibility, it's the fear of the future that will cause a person not to do mitzvahs. He won't give tzedakah because he's afraid about giving too much money. That'll be a mokesh for him. That'll be a stumbling block because he won't do mitzvahs. Brashi says, He likes the first one better, that it's the existence of Avera which causes fear, although I think we today see many people the other way around as well. Uh, that there are people who think that they can't give tzedakah because they don't think they have enough money to give tzedakah. So some don't, but there are those who do. And the real thing one should do is, that we have to trust in Hashem that will be taken care of. And if we trust in Hashem and act the way we should act properly and appropriately and prudently, but act, so then we'll be, okay, then we will be safeguarded. Many people look for the ruler to have the judgment before him because it's, oh, the ruler will give real justice. But you have to know that it's really Hashem It's really Hashem is going to control it. So that is really the last puzzle we're going to see with Rashi. With Rashi, we didn't have so many recurring themes. There were themes of Torah and Torah study being central to the way one acts. But other than that, Rashi just took the psukim as they came and he explained them as they came. And they had all the many of the similar kinds of themes to what you would have expected on reading the Pasuk on your own, as opposed to others that we have been seeing who have more of a, we might call an agenda, or more of a personal input into the explanation of the, of the book that doesn't take it only by its uh, plainest view. With Rashi, I think much of what we saw was in the plainest view with the deep focus on the idea that when it talks about wisdom, it means Torah and Torah study, and what you learn from Torah specifically, rather than, for example, as JPS has it, instruction in general. Last passage for the parak, Tovat Tzadikim Ish Avel, Tovat Rasha Yishar Darech. The unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, and he who stay, whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. So the Mabim says, Hatov Sonet Arav, Arav Sonet Hatov, An important issue to, to remember, that it's not Tzadikim, like the way they do it, and they prefer that people do it that way. It wouldn't be nice if everybody did that way. Tzadikim, real Tzadikim, hate the ways of evil, and it's the other way around. And the evil really hate the ways of Tzadikim. And that contest, that contrast, that contention between the two of them is an important thing to 
important part of the perspective of understanding what's really going on in the battle between good and evil in the world, in which, obviously, I hope, we all hope to be on the side of good, but that part of being good, it seems, is to not just reject evil and reject wrong, but really to have a certain kind of uh, distaste for wrong and to be annoyed by it and bothered by it. And that is part of the perspectives of a tzaddik, at least it seems to me, from the way the mob is understanding this passage. Have a great day.